Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Hello, I hope everybody's doing well today. You know, the weather in the springtime can be really daunting and make changes in how we feel and how we think and even our cognition levels. You probably wouldn't think that that would be true, but actually it is. When you have overcast, cloudy days, It can be depressing at times if that's something you're not used to. As an example, here in Colorado, we have more days of sunshine on average than either Miami or San Diego. People would be surprised about that. But where I used to live, where I grew up in Illinois, it's cloudy and overcast, it feels like, all the time. (laughs) The Midwest of the United States has a tendency to have that dreary kind of funky weather. If you live in Oregon and Washington, up in those areas in the United States, northern California, you get rain constantly. How do you get out from underneath it? I don't think people that live in tropical places have as much problem, but they deal with the wind. The wind is crazy bad. And here in Colorado, we have that as well. So when we have these bad weather patterns or we have these dreary weather patterns, I think it can really wreak havoc on people's moods. I I know it has for me. I get a little bit achy. Um, Any bone that I've broken, any uh, arthritis that's setting in in any place in my body, I feel it. That barometric pressure change is a nightmare for me. I used to rock climb, and so I I think I'm getting arthritis in my hands, in my shoulder, my hips, my feet, (laughs) my knees. I mean, it's all coming to attack me now. Um, But I can really feel it. I can feel the ache. I can feel the drain on my body pretty bad when the barometric pressure changes. And I think that when you are a person that has some type of dementia, it can really affect you that way as well. So I think having a lot of lights on in the house would probably be a really good idea. Uh, Maybe having the ambiance be nice. If you have a fireplace, turn it on. If you have uh, maybe some cookies that you can make or... uh, Go get some candles from a candle store. You can get them at um, Hobby Lobby a lot of times, uh, Michael's, that have smells like apple pie and cookies and things like that. You could burn those in your house. Um, You can use air fresheners like that as well. Have music playing. You know, do some things that can really lighten the mood. Um, Have some activities set up where maybe you're painting or you're making a lasagna or or you're doing something that's going to take a few hours. Uh, Anything at all except for possibly cleaning your house. (laughs) 
it seems like that might be a good thing to do when the rain happens. But sometimes that is a job that is not necessarily fun and can uh, add to angst, anxiety, and and depression. So try to stay away from anything that is going to be a game changer in the anger field or the anxiety field. Um, oh my God, this is a huge job. No, no, no. Do things that are smaller uh, in size in terms of whatever activity you're doing. Keep them, keep them short, keep them sweet and simple. You know, because I'll tell you what, I get a lot of calls when we have weather like this. And, you know, people think, wow, this came on as a complete surprise. I don't know why my mom or my dad or my husband or wife or whoever it is, is experiencing a difficult mental and emotional and physical challenges that that cause those increasing mood changes. For me, one of the things that makes me happy is Starbucks. And I'm going to take a quick drink. So having a nice, warm drink from Starbucks, a chai tea, something like that could make my mood so much better. And when people can't remember or are consistently confused, they may get frustrated. They might get fearful, even fight the changes that are going on within themselves, fight with you about the changes that are going on. And it's no wonder that we have mood swings that are serious problems at times for the person who has dementia and the person who's caring for them. So if you can anticipate the causes of the mood changes, I think it will help you enormously. You know, avoid thinking that that person is having an actual personality change. It's just a mood change, not a personality change. It's not necessarily permanent. It can come and go and ebb and flow with the clouds. It absolutely can. So try to not put too much weight on it or be too worried about, you know, what's going on, okay? So separate out the person that you know and the person that you care about and love from the disease itself and the symptoms and the mood changes that you will see, okay? Because it really could simply be just an unmet need that they have that's causing whatever the the behavioral issue is. It could be that they're hungry. It could be that they're more tired than they would usually be. Just an example of that. As I was driving over here today, I was telling Brian, my technician, my uh, producer and engineer, that it, it, it bothers me when I have to sit in traffic to get in and out of my neighborhood. This has been an ongoing problem for me for about two years since they started building this whole new subdivision city that is ruining my peace of mind and uh, getting rid of all the animals and, and the farms and things that I really enjoyed driving back and forth by. And just the just the idea that I don't see cows and... and uh, other types of cattle, and I don't see horses grazing in these big fields anymore, just really ticks me off. <laughs> but being caught in the traffic and semis tearing up the streets and everything like that is making me more moody and angry than I would ordinarily be. And on a day like today, 
it was pouring down rain, and they are finally deciding to fix the streets that these semis are tearing up, and uh, they had everything down to one lane. <laughs> they had four lanes down to one lane. And if you've ever been stuck in construction traffic, you know there's somebody standing there holding a sign, giving you a really foul look because it's pouring down rain that says stop and they can't let you go until the rest of the traffic coming the other direction has passed through. It adds another 10, 15 minutes to your drive. Stuff like that can really be irritable. Now imagine having Alzheimer's or some type of cognitive impairment or memory loss, and you can't figure out why it's taking so long to get home, and you have to go to the bathroom, and you don't know how to say it, and the person that is driving is irritated because of all the stop-and-go traffic. We have just created a perfect storm. We have just created a perfect storm. And this is how it goes. This is a day in the life. And, you know, um, other things, just kind of bringing up some of the things that are going on in the country. What else could affect our mood? Well, everywhere you turn, there is talk of COVID. We've been putting up with that for over a year. And now they're coming up with all of these new rules about um, wearing masks inside or not inside or outside or not outside. And all of a sudden, the CDC pops up and says, hey, nobody needs to wear a mask anywhere. Well, they said that as an overall statement. Nobody was expecting it. States were not prepared for it. So they're saying, nope, we're going to keep them for a while. Some grocery stores are saying you can go without them. Some are saying you have to have them on. I went into a restaurant with a friend for lunch yesterday, and they weren't requiring them. Happy day, right? <laughs> but it's not that way everywhere. And then you have people that might ask you if you've got your vaccination card. And I get I hear people saying, well, they can't ask me that. That's a HIPAA thing. To all of you out there, and I don't care if I get cards and letters on this. I really don't. If somebody asks you to show your card, just put a little piece of paper over your policy number or your birth, you know, an information or whatever is on there. On mine, it's just my Kaiser policy number. I put a piece of paper on it and I took a picture of it and I've got it in my phone and I kept it in an album. So if I ever have to pull it up, I just pull it up, right? But everybody wants something to fight about. Everybody wants something to be grouchy about. It's my First Amendment right. I don't need to show it. Then stay home. Oh my gosh. I, I, I'll tell you, the whiners and the criers and the bitching and the screaming, I've had it. I've had it. So now, be a person with Alzheimer's. You don't understand. Somebody's help trying to put a mask on you and you never wanted to wear it in the first place. You don't want to keep it on. And now you've got a person like me caring for you who's upset about the fact that all this stuff going on isn't working for me in my day. Again, we've got perfect storms. Perfect storms. <laughs> I really, uh, if somebody says new normal to me one more time, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to lose my mind. So even I can have mood changes, right? Anybody can have a mood change. But we think it's different if the person has Alzheimer's. 
We think it's different with whatever type dimension they have. Suddenly, we're looking at it as a symptom. So what that whole rant was from me the last 30 to 60 seconds was about look at yourself. Look at what is upsetting you. What is enough? You know, uh, you know it's kind of like a if we were to say to ourselves, I wonder if people look both ways when crossing the street. And I also wonder if they look both ways before getting on my nerves. We get in those moods sometimes, but we don't apply that same theory to someone who has a degenerative brain disease. So the point of this is, if you are looking at mood changes in your person, look at yourself, look at the things that happen in your daily existence that piss you off, that that make you angry. Is it traffic in a big city? Is it somebody taking too long in the line at the bank? Is it uh, your favorite restaurant is closed and now you're irritated about that? Is it that through COVID you gained weight? We have our own mood changes, but we never really see how that transfers to another person, how that whole scenario could certainly apply to a person who's not able to discuss it with you. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. And other things that you could look at, you really ought to take a good strong look at how that person um, sleeps, how they shower, how they uh, get through their activities of daily living. And if you can... Write these things down because it makes a difference. So as an example, if if you have a house that is very, very dry, you could have snoring issues. You could have dryness in your um, throat and things like that. You may have a shoulder that aches that needs to be kept warm. Um, you may get into cold sheets, things like that. If we can sort of document the things that can irritate us, the things that can cause us to have anxiety, not wanting to get into a cold bed, getting up to a cold house, um, maybe set your thermostat so that it kicks on at 5 a.m. and turn it up kind of high, like on 72 or something. And then during the course of the day, you can always um, turn it back down if it gets too hot. Or if you're in a place where it's sunny or what have you, if the temperature is hot enough outside, the thermostat wouldn't kick on anyway. But finding those things that cause us to have mood swings and then say to yourself, I wonder how this must be for my person with a diagnosis. We can have the smallest, smallest things like you forgot to lay out uh, food from the freezer and put it on the counter or put it in the refrigerator so it has a day or two to, uh, to thaw out. And then you end up going to the store and buying $200 worth of food and then come home and not want to cook anything. 
because you've had a long day, you were irritated that you forgot to leave things out. Again, all these things cause mood changes, but we have a tendency to only recognize them in the person that has the diagnosis as something that is terrible, as something that is a symptom, and something that we have to correct. So I hope that if nothing else, this kind of opens your eyes to being able to look at, wow, maybe there are some parallels there. Maybe there are some things that that I can look at or consider and not take it too seriously and adjust my own attitude and mood level to keep that other person from getting upset. You know, it, it is a it is something that we have always learned. If you if you've ever taken a psychology class or anything like that, they always say you can't change someone else. You can only fix yourself. And we forget that. We forget that. And when we're working with somebody with a degenerative brain disease, we have a tendency to think that we have to change them. We have to set their course every single day. We have to keep the symptoms at bay instead of sort of thinking about the fact that we have to let go of the things that trouble us. We have to let go of sharing the things that bother us all the time and try to give a little bit less narrative around certain scenarios. When you're sitting in the car and it's pouring down rain and you don't want to get out of the car and have get any um, gas, get back in the car and start singing raindrops keep falling on my head. Do something that is giving you the ability to adjust it and and really take a different perspective of how you're going to manage these things. Because I'm telling you, really, truly, the one thing we can affect is our own attitude, our own behavior. And 90% of the time, the mood swings and the mood changes and the and the things that we think of as symptoms of somebody being depressed and down fed straight from us. Straight from us. Okay? So, some other things that you can do to sort of curb those mood changes. I talk about it all the time, but establish some routines if you need to. I think it really helps to set your person's day with with the activities and um, you know, just engagement pieces like uh, paint by number colors or watching their favorite show, Family Feud, or fixing them a nice breakfast and making coffee in the morning and making the house smell good and doing those on a regular basis. Those kinds of things can help to curb the the attitudes and if they are prone to mood changes the routines that you set will make everything so much easier. So if your person knows that every day after breakfast, they're going to go in and um, sit down, read the paper with their coffee or what have you, and then get dressed for the day, they know what's coming next. Nothing's a surprise. Routines are good. 
Routines really help. They keep people from getting down. They keep them from being, you know, sad. And they have something to look forward to because they know what's going to happen next in their day. Again, that's something that you can do to prepare for them if they're not able to make those adjustments for themselves. And they're not. So now you have to make them for you and them. Again, something that could affect your mood, especially if you're resentful about it. Now, what else? So if you were to tell your person that they need to get dressed and this wasn't part of a routine, they didn't know that they get to go in and have some breakfast, have some coffee, read the paper, and then go take a shower and get dressed. You just ask them to get up and get dressed. They might be be seriously overwhelmed by all the steps that it takes just to put on a shirt or put on their pants or put on their housecoat and their slippers, whatever that is. And so try as hard as you can to keep it in the in the systematic process that I just talked about with routines but if you can't do that you have got to add more time add 5 minutes add 10 minutes and then go through cueing skills to help them with the processes of getting dressed and you have to keep it simple Because if you don't, they're going to try to pick out their own outfit for the day and it may not be what you would have them wearing. And then guess what? We have those mood swings again. We have that anger. We have that angst. We have that, oh, here we go again. So try to avoid that at all costs. Try to avoid it at all costs. Asking somebody what they want for dinner that's another thing. If you ask open-ended questions and then they just look at you like, I don't understand what you just said to me, again, offer some choices. Walk them through slow steps of, would you like a cup of soup on this cold, rainy day? Would you like a cheese toasty or toasted cheese, whatever you call it, wherever you live? Trying to keep things as simple as possible in terms of just giving them um, choices or tell them what you're cooking and ask a yes or no question, does that sound good, can keep the mood calm. It can keep people from getting upset and it makes them happy that they didn't have to come up with a full cognitive thought to address what you just brought to them, okay? Other things you can do is simplify, like, your the living space, okay? Avoid clutter. Label shelves so that they can find things. This is where the aspirin is. This is where your socks are. Whatever it is, um... Items in the cupboard. These are cups behind this door. These are, um, this is the refrigerator and this side is where you will find the milk or put pictures up. When people can't comprehend what is behind door number one, two, or three, they're going to get frustrated. Frustration is a mood change nobody likes. We don't like frustration. We don't like anger. 
But that's what happens if they are confused and they don't know where items are that they could find in their house prior to their cognitive loss and their memory issues. So just putting pictures up and things like that can keep that person from getting frustrated. And if they're frustrated, you're going to be frustrated. Another thing you can do is keep their physical environment constant and calm, and that will help to minimize mood swings. Turn down the TV volume if it's really loud or if it's distracting. Turn off the political shows, Fox News, CNN. You want to see somebody take a mood change to a from a zero to a 10 in 60 seconds, turn on Fox News or CNN. I'm telling you, I walk into houses constantly where people are angry. You, I can't talk to them. The, more often than not, it's the caregiver. It's not the person with the disease. But they don't understand why that person's been in a bad mood all day for three weeks, and it's because they've had the news on. I rarely see a nice story on the news. Rarely. Everything is about shootings. Everything is about COVID. Everything is about somebody acting a fool. I mean, I'm telling you, there's enough, there's enough idiots walking around that, are, that can get on the news, that can get on somebody's video, that it, it, it astounds me. It absolutely astounds me. And every single thing makes the news. Everything makes the news. Another thing is like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that. Twitter has become the land of hell. It really has. Everything on Twitter is something negative. People are fighting. And they get so brave and so nasty in their comments because they're under the cloak of a keyboard that it blows my mind. So if your person is on their, on their phone and they're looking at Twitter, they're looking at Facebook, things like that, I'm telling you what, I would, I would let that Twitter account go. I heard today that they're going to start charging you for it. <laughs> that's, that's unbelievable. Twitter is going to charge for the misery they bring us. Lovely. Another thing that can affect our mood. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back and I'm going to talk about more things that can change your mood and swing it from good to bad in a heartbeat. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. 
We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, we're back, and I'm talking today about why people get sad. Why do they get depressed? Why do they get moody? And I'm talking about the caregivers. <laughs> the caregivers are talking about the people with the diagnosis, right? I guarantee you they are feeding off of your energy. They are feeding off of the environment. They are feeding off of nature. Everything around us today has a tendency at times to be negative. Taking too long at the grocery store, um, taking forever to get somebody dressed. Uh, You come in and they're wearing the same outfit they had on yesterday. Who does that bother? It bothers the caregiver, not the person with the diagnosis. The person that has the diagnosis doesn't really care. They're putting on the clothes they had on yesterday. It feels pretty comfortable. It doesn't matter if it they have food on it. They're not going anywhere. You know, they don't really care. But we care. We care. It bothers us. Try to let that go. Try to let these things go. If they want to wear the same thing and it doesn't smell, it's not dirty, let it go. Let it go. There are enough things during the course of the day that are going to be troublesome for you that whether or not somebody is wearing the same outfit isn't that big of a deal. It really, really isn't. Now, you can have people that you walk into a house and they are just in a bad mood, right? And what can you do about that? If they're in a bad mood to start with, that mood didn't change. That mood was there to begin with. So how are we going to change that mood? Well, you could ask them to help with a a simple task around the house, right? Maybe you're getting ready to go to the grocery store and fill their refrigerator. That's why you're there today. You want to make sure they have food. You want to get rid of anything that's expired. So ask them to clip some coupons. Not a bad idea, right? Um, If they have shoes that are sort of dirty, um, you're trying to buy some time so you can get some things done around their house, clean some things up, do some dishes before you go to the store. How about having them polish some shoes? Especially men. Men are really big at that. Um, Especially elderly men. They really like to have their shoes polished. Case in point, walk through an airport. They always have those shoe shining places. Who do they have those for? Who do you see sitting there? (laughs) Older men. Very, very rarely do women polish their shoes. I don't know why that is. Um, You could have them, you know, fold some socks. Or sort some socks uh, that out of some laundry you just did. Have them fold some laundry. When you give them things to do while you're trying to get some other things done so that you can get out the door and complete the tasks that you need to, they feel useful. 
it can change that bad mood to feeling like they are needed. They are loved. They are appreciated. They can do this task to help you out. It it could be a really nice way to just sort of take that edge off and see if you can get them out of that bad bad mood. Um, if if they have a mood change occurring that you didn't see coming, try to redirect them to you know some meaningful activity that they like. Uh, going for a walk around the neighborhood with the dog. Play play with the cat. Um, Things that they enjoy. What's something that they really like? How about going in and making a pot of coffee? If that's something that they're able to do, ask them, tell them you're thirsty and you need a pot of coffee. Redirection, redirection, redirection will help you to avoid stress as much as possible. And that's what we're trying to, that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to limit the stress. We're trying to change the trajectory of the mood swings from a negative one to a positive one, right? Um, If you think that your person would get nervous about uh, going to the doctor, about going to the store, about Um, meeting some family members or a friend for lunch, don't tell them until you need to go. Don't, don't, don't say a few days beforehand that you're going to go have lunch with, you know, Aunt Mary, because maybe they don't like Aunt Mary, but maybe you like Aunt Mary and you need Aunt Mary's help with this caregiving process. And there's some things that you need to ask for. So you're going to have this lunch meeting and it's going to work out well but your first person doesn't want to go. Keep the details to a minimum. Don't don't chat with them about how that lunch is going to take place or where you're going or something like that. That morning, an hour before you're ready to go, say we're going to go have some lunch today and Aunt Mary might join us. And if they get upset about that, then you can try to curb that conversation to as much of a minimum as you possibly can. And if they're upset about missing their favorite TV show or something like that, you know, apologize and give them a reason for why, you know, uh, you have to have lunch at that particular time or why you're a little bit late in making dinner and now they're going to miss Wheel of Fortune because you didn't get there until, you know, 6 o'clock and now dinner's ready and it's 6.30 and they're going to miss it. This is the beautiful thing about being able to record shows or stream shows. We we have so many avenues at our fingertips to play something a little bit later, to play it when it's convenient for us. It, it could help to lighten their mood to know that they can watch it as soon as dinner is over, but it doesn't have to be at that 6.30 time. Now, having said that, I told you routines are important. Routines are important. But if they get messed up, if the timing gets thrown off, just delay everything about a half an hour, you know, play that show that they like a little bit later and try to get through it as best you can. If you if you can't keep the routine, so be it. It happens. It happens. It's okay. It's all right. Nobody died. We'll get through it, right? Yeah. And if they adjust to it well, 
if they're not upset about it, if you say we can we can play Wheel of Fortune as soon as we have dinner, even if that's 7 o'clock and they don't realize what time it is, um, if they are nice about it, offer a compliment or praise to them. Smile at them, give them a hug, and thank them for being considerate of your time and working with you on this you know, time frame that you've had to adjust to, and thank them for being a, a good sport about it. People, everybody likes somebody telling them, hey, you did a good job, or that was really nice of you. So just say, hey, that was really sweet of you to work with me uh, to have dinner, and we'll watch the show a little bit later. I appreciate that. Little kindness goes a long, long way. And for heaven's sakes, if you can laugh about something, if you can make a joke about something, if you can say, hey, do you remember that I Love Lucy show where they were working, uh, she was working with her friend, Eunice, I think it is. Uh, that might be a whole nother show. Uh, but she was working with her friend on this candy line and they had to keep things in order. And it started going so fast. So they started putting all these candies in their pocket and then they started putting them in their mouth. Lucille Ball was so funny. She made me laugh till I cried. So bringing up maybe some things that you've seen on shows before that made you laugh. Um, talk about some joke that you heard and make them laugh. I think laughter is absolutely the best medicine and injecting humor is beautiful at all costs. <laughs> I love, love, love to laugh. So as much as you can put on, um, you know, like even a comedy channel, I think 105.1 in Denver is a comedy channel. Anything that you can do to bring laughter and joy into the house is good. It will help for those mood changes that just feel like they're they're not they're not curbing fast enough. That's a way to to get people laughing and enjoying their day. So the bottom line is by controlling your own emotions, you can help prevent those mood changes from ruining everyone's day, right? And might even improve your own mood. <laughs> and if your loved one is in a bad mood, try to limit their choices and keep the conversation as simple as possible. Redirect, redirect, redirect. So again, asking these yes or no questions can certainly help. Um, would you like to wear this shirt? Or the shirt, that can help. All those things can make a big difference. So I, I guess the biggest thing I can tell you is just be mindful of the energy you're putting out because you will get that same energy back. Be mindful of that person's schedule and, and what is part of that daily routine that they are used to. And if you are in some way altering it, you have the potential to have the mood go south. So try to, uh, if you have to change something, do it in a time of day when they are relatively calm. That will help you a lot. Make sure they are hydrated. Make sure they've had a lot to drink, that they are not hungry that they are 
full, you know, full of good energy. They are hearing birds chirping outside, talk about the beautiful weather or, you know, how the grass is getting so green from all the rain. Whatever it takes to keep that person from swinging in the wrong direction. And moods themselves can just be absolutely ridiculously difficult to predict. So if you see that somebody is sort of in a bad mood when they get up in the morning, if you see that later in the afternoon they seem to be sundowning a little bit, they seem to be struggling with what is day and night and in time frames and spatial, everything gets messed up. Keep a journal of what's causing these changes and what triggers come from those changes, those times of days when they're not feeling great, when they're not talking to you as well as they could be. Uh, they seem more confused. They seem more angry. I had a person recently that I found out that his wife gets up in the morning and she's generally in a bad mood. So I told the gentleman that he should turn on music in the kitchen that is happy, like Motown or Latina music or something like that, that when she comes down the stairs, she hears music and it sets her day off in a good way. I think dancing, singing, smiling, feeling good, sticking your head out, smelling the air, you know, especially after it's rained, um, all can be enormously wonderful, positive triggers. So if you can sort of figure out when is the time of day that they seem like their mood really swings to a place that it's hard to get them back on a good trajectory, what can you do to anticipate this and figure out what's going to help them so you can assist them to having a better day. Sometimes it's as simple as, as things like that. Having that coffee ready in the morning and playing that music so the minute they hit the bottom of the stairs, they're feeling pretty good. If those things don't work, if you if you find that they are struggling for an extended period of time, that their mood changes are such that you just can't seem to really adjust them as well as you want to, that might be a good time to send a note to your doctor and give them those journal notes that I've just asked you to, to write down and see if um, the person is maybe losing weight, they're crying or sleeping too much, um, are these signs of depression? Is this is this a mood change for the worst because the person has depression? Um, or is this just, you know, regular everyday garden variety kind of being a little bit upset about, um, you know, the weather changes and stuff like that? All these things can come to play. So you have to figure out, is this, a, is this falling more under the mental illness issue or is this, you know, with a, the depression or is this something that I actually can adjust to? Some of the other things that you might see with these mood problems are social withdrawal. 
where they don't want to go out to lunch with Aunt Mary. They don't want to sit and talk with you. There are days when they are lucid and responsive, and then on the silent days, they're not. They feel like they're slipping away from you. Um, we get we get these issues that can be severe. They can be heartbreaking. You want them to still want to go out and see friends and do things. You know, you want them to go to that ball game of your of your grandsons, but they don't want to. Um, and one of the things that you can do is say, hey, you know what? Why don't you just go with me? You don't have to sit and talk. You don't have to um, yell and scream, you know, for the team or what have you. You can you can sit quietly. I'll bring your favorite candy bar. Let's go and have have a little fun. I'll bring some popcorn. Bring some things, snacky wise. And if they don't, if they have. Um, diabetes or something, you have to stay away from sugar things like candy bars. You could bring, like I said, popcorn or peanuts or or raisins or fruit, bananas, things like that if you wanted to. But try to entice them to get out to go and get something. Maybe ice cream. There isn't anybody that doesn't like ice cream, right? So whatever you can do to sort of prod them to get out of the house, go get some cherry Dr. Pepper, go get um, a banana split, you know, something like that. Try to do what you can to not let that mood swing go into a depressed state so that they no longer want to socialize with people they are scared to talk to people. It can happen so fast you won't even believe it. And as soon as that happens, it becomes very, very difficult to get them to go anywhere, to get them to go to the doctor, to get them to go to that ball game, to get them to go to physical therapy, um, get them to go to the grocery store. These are difficult, difficult things. And when they are socially withdrawn... It's almost like they're dying before your eyes. It, it's almost like they lose their language. They start not being as lucid and conversational as they used to be. Um, they sleep more. What can we do to combat that? Well, I think when you when you get them up if they're sleeping, the first thing you should say is tell them that you love them. Tell them that you care about them and you came over to see them and you want them to get up and have some coffee or breakfast with you. Keep the conversation light. Keep the conversation calm. Okay, if you can do those kinds of things, that can help a little bit with them becoming socially withdrawn. Why does it happen? 
it happens because the person with dementia, it's safer to just stay home. They're nervous about forgetting a name or failing to recognize an important person in their life. Um, They can be overcome with a desire to avoid being embarrassed and having their friends see them struggle. Um, A lot of people know that, you know, Alzheimer's and these various dementias are not going away. So that depression sets in with their friends as well. They look at you really sad and that's not what you want, right? It's not what you want. A lot of times we don't understand the impact of that person forgetting a name or not recognizing somebody they should, not remembering a word, not remembering the lyrics to a song. These things can be devastating. And so when we talk about, you know, even like transitions, I I talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago, transitioning to a care community. One of the reasons why that's a good idea is because socialization can have a lot of benefits. It can it can really help if they are around are around other people who talk like them, that think like them, that have the same memory loss that they have. You have activity directors who know how to work with a person. And so they get them engaged in activities throughout the day. Everywhere they look, there's another person in the community that they could talk with or sit with or sing with or hold hands or and walk around the community or go outside together and sit in the garden and have a drink or something like that. The socialization piece is actually incredibly, incredibly important when that person moves into a community. It's a game changer because they have become so isolated and so distant from people in their homes and they're used to they were used to having a social hub like in the kitchen or in the family room, the backyard and and now people aren't coming over anymore, people aren't visiting with them anymore. Uh, we're not doing outings, we're not having family reunions or anything like that and it becomes sad for that person that people don't come around and visit them anymore. So when they can get in a place where they can be that social butterfly again, where they can build some new meaningful relationships um, that they can engage in in maybe uh, church services that they haven't done for years and years, the things that they became so afraid of, um, not remembering a word, not being able to talk to somebody, not being able to be in charge of their own thought process and and they lose that intellectual language, it's hard for them to, you know, really think that that could ever be possible again. And then we put them in these communities and they start thriving again. They start working on gardens. They start dancing. They start painting. They have... Uh, activities surrounding, 
you know, different ethnic backgrounds where they have Mexican week or they have Italian week or whatever. And they look at pictures from those regions around the world and they cook food or have food during, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner that would relate to that city or that country. These communities have become incredibly, incredibly, incredibly creative in helping people to find that joy again, to find that 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 love of life, that carefree way of living that got lost when they first got the diagnosis and were dealing with what they were losing. There gets to be a point where they no longer know what's happening around them. We call it the silver lining. And it's a beautiful place to be if that's the time they go into a memory unit or a community. Don't kick yourself over you know, moving somebody, it could very well be the best thing that's happened to them in the last five years. Well, today I just wanted to talk about mood changes, the moods that we are in, the the responsibility we have to, you know, control our own mood swings when we're around somebody with, that has a diagnosis and to try and make their world a little bit better and a little bit brighter. So this has been more about being introspective for yourself and how you have control over yourself, and it can make a big difference with who you are working with. And I'm telling you, I think it was an important topic today because, you know, I've learned a lot about myself the last few weeks. Um, I went to a counselor to talk about some things that were bothering me. And if any of you have been in therapy or talking to a counselor, you know they hardly ever say anything. <laughs> kind of cracks me up. But through that process, it really helped me to to put it back to myself that the things I thought were bothering me in my life, the external factors that seemed to be invading my inner circle um, – actually were getting in because I was letting them in. And the only person that can change that is me. So if you don't like the mood swings that the person that you are caring for is having, look directly back at yourself and the way you are approaching them and the way you are creating an environment of joy and peace and calmness and some dancing and some music and some games and some fun in their lives. Okay. And uh, I know some of you are going to send me some emails about the whole COVID thing, but we're just about through it. We're going to get through it. And I hope nobody's too mad about it. I'll see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.